We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And welcome to Westbrook Week on the LFR Pod. Last week, we talked about some of the new role-player additions to the team, but there's nobody who's going to make a, a bigger difference who's new to the team than Russell Westbrook. So much of the team has changed, and so many of the mid-tier players, your KCPs, your Kuzes, uh, even you know Schroeder and Alex being gone, all of those guys are kind of consolidated into a Russell Westbrook, who I am enormously excited about, I'm nervous about, and beyond anything else, I'm curious about. He is, his addition to the team is one of the more fascinating basketball questions that I've seen the Lakers posed with, and that's what I'm excited about this week, is to really get into the weeds of Russell Westbrook's game. And today we're going to talk about him as a playmaker, the player that he is with the ball in his hands. And from watching so much tape of him, Darius, over the last couple of weeks and really really getting into the the turnovers, but also the assists and the the you know, some of his anticipation, I, I'm really struck by how diverse of a passer he is for one and all of the different ways that he gets guys open and that he is accurate and delivers passes with velocity, but also from watching his game, the way that he goes about creating shots for other guys is very unique around the NBA. I would argue that there's really only one Russell Westbrook in the NBA, so from your years of watching him from afar, what stood out to you about him as a playmaker specifically? Just that he's a better passer than I think that he gets credit for, honestly, and his feel as a passer. It's not so there are highlight passers, right? You and I grew up watching Magic Johnson. That There's no better example than Magic Johnson when it comes to this. But even LeBron is sort of like this as well, though not to that extent, right? There's a certain amount of like, ah, like this came out of nowhere and and almost trickery involved with it. There's that famous pass that LeBron had when he still played for the Cavs, but he was playing the Lakers and he sort of ball faked, right, with one hand and then just flicked it 
with with that single hand to the slipping big man for a dunk. I think it was Brooke Lopez who was the victim of LeBron's trickery. And, and so there's that sort of world. And then there is sort of the world of like, yeah, guess what? I'm going to put pressure on you as an individual defender and as a team and i'm gonna make you react to me and by making you react you now move and because you moved i know where you're moving based off of how i'm moving that makes this guy open and it makes that guy open and then if something else happens this other guy is going to be open and russ seems to understand that stuff much better than what he's given credit for and so He doesn't come up with a bunch of highlight passes every single game where it's like, oh my goodness, he went behind his back or look at that between his legs bounce pass off of the pick and roll and he really thread the needle there. No, it's a bunch of, yeah, I'm driving to the basket and I forced a big man to help and now here's a drop-off pass or here's me coming to a jump stop and kicking the ball out to the corner because that dude is open now because of the way that the defense collapsed and there's a feel and an understanding of the game that is the undercurrent for all of that that I don't think Westbrook particularly gets a lot of credit or or love for it's almost he's almost viewed the opposite Mike he's viewed as a guy who doesn't have basketball IQ he's viewed as a guy who makes too many mistakes and is like oh he he shoots too much or he does this wrong or does that wrong. And it's almost always predicated off of decision-making and it's hard for a guy to lead the league in assists when he's a bad decision-maker. And, and, and so these two things sort of collide to me and it's super interesting. So what stands out to me the most is that for me, Pete. I'm going to show, well, let's see. I'm going to do this. I'm going to grab an assist here to Pete. Because you've been watching this recent Westbrook tape, and the way that I've watched him over the years, I've considered him a bit more of a usage passer than a pure passer. But that, I think, in the setup of the question is a little bit unfair to what he is uh, as a setup guy. But when you've been watching, Pete, how much did your perception of him, just from the general amount that we watch basketball, which is a lot, how much did that evolve when you watched a little bit more specifically for that type of playmaking, which like the minor point I was going to make is that he's better than anything that they've had outside of LeBron. But what, like, how did that hit you as you broke down the tape recently? I'm so glad you asked this question because Westbrook's one of those guys where even if you're a casual fan, you've seen plenty of Russell Westbrook games, right? So I've seen a bunch of Westbrook games. I have a, I had a developed opinion of Russell Westbrook before the trade, but one of the great things about tape is even with guys like that, you come to find out like, oh, I was, like 60% right, maybe 70% right about this aspect of his game. And then that other 30 to 40% really stands out. And so along those lines is his anticipation and his technique is better than I expected. I'll start with the anticipation. Darius talked about it quite a bit, but the idea that Russ is always going to put pressure on the rim. And this goes to the idea of usage. Russ is always in attack mode. And in a way that ignites the rest of your team that one of the things that stood out is guys very much seem to have fun playing with him there's a pace and a certain get up and go and if I run the court he's gonna hit me he's gonna find me but a certain pace that he brings along with him that I think he's brought to every team so for that first and foremost he gets everybody kind of dedicated to this to the fastest version of themselves which is very helpful 
Secondly, his anticipation when he, because he's so constantly attacking, like how many times would you estimate Russell Westbrook has attacked the basket in the NBA? It's thousands, maybe tens of thousands over the years, right? And so he knows, as Darius was saying, not only exactly where the help is coming from and who's open from that, but he's anticipating that. So that's one of the things I noticed, Mike, is he, as soon as the defenders say that helping big, hands start to go up because that's Russell Westbrook driving at me and I have to get my hands up. I'm talking as soon as his hands go from down by his waist to start going up, raising like that. Westbrook's firing a pass to, and and say the defense rotated the way that they should, and so the big man isn't open. Westbrook is firing high-velocity skip pass right on the money to a shooter. And so that corner guy is, the defense has so little time to react by the time the shooter has the ball in an attack position. He's not just open, he's really open. And so the quality of looks that he generates because of his anticipation, and when you think about anticipation is mental speed. When you combine that with his physical speed and force, there's that attacking style is happening on multiple levels at the same time. And that combined with the technique of he's throwing left-handed off the dribble passes, cross court hit aheads on the money to a streaking rim runner, right. You know, right on the money on their hands because if it's a big man if it's too low then they're not going to catch it if it's too high when they're on the run they're not going to catch those so the accuracy velocity and diversity of his passes combined with his anticipation biggest thing that stood out to me on tape the way you described that last section of the way that he passes is that part sounds like lebron like those are the that's the benefit that you get when you're getting the ball from lebron a you're getting it faster you're getting it a skip ahead and you're getting it in the right place and so that's the part of it, too, that I think that I that I'm more excited about in terms of the passing than than that stereotype that we have in our heads of, yeah, he, he gets 10 or 11 assists a game, but that's because he has the ball the whole time. You know, it's a little bit. And Darius, this is part of the way that you've talked about players are being described where we we look at their weaknesses in a way. And I think that all of that gets gets lapped into Westbrook's or looped into Westbrook's inefficiency as a player that we even think about some of the passing like that, which is not totally fair. You know, I mean, Mike, there was that quote and it's, it's maybe one of my most favorite Westbrook quotes ever. And it just came last season. And he was sort of talking about the stat padding criticism that you sort that you're sort of alluding to with what you were just talking about there. And Russ nonchalantly and very matter of factly, said after I think it was a game where he either broke or tied the triple double record but he was on the verge of doing it and he said yeah I'm pretty sure if other people could do it they would so this is my thing thank you let me jump in real quick so this idea that Westbrook is a stat padding guy that just is looking to get his numbers let's assume for a second that that's true do you think he's the only guy in NBA history like that you remember when Ricky Davis shot the ball at the wrong basket so that he could try to get a rebound to get a triple-double? You know how many dudes have tried to get numbers in the NBA history? So the fact that he can do this, like, anyway, please continue. That's basically the point, is that there are a lot of guys who do have the ball as much as Rusta. Russ does now or close to it. Russ has had, in some of Russ's seasons, and this is a fair counter 
to some of his production is he is one of the highest usage players in the history of the league. And he has posted some of the most ball dominant seasons you will ever see. Right. And so for all of the, well, Luca has the ball a lot and Trey young, and you can go on and down, you can go on and on down the line, right? Harden before the next trade and everything else. Those guys still haven't necessarily approached peak Russ where he's been at his absolute like, oh, no, I I have to do everything for this team level. And so there is sort of some pushback that is needed on some of the numbers and some of the production. That said, that said, you still have to get to the point where you can actually average 11 and a half or 12 assists a game. Right. There was a stretch. There was that stretch of the last 20 games of last season where basically Washington had to win pretty much every single game if they were going to get into the the play in hunt. Right. Which they ultimately did make. And when you look at Russ's numbers during that last 20 game stretch, they are utterly ridiculous. They're just ridiculous numbers. There's like, oh, 22 or 24 points and 13 assists and 13 rebounds and it's sort of just like wait these numbers do not make sense from any from any position any there are some there are some that were like you know 22 assists and 16 rebound like really really gaudy video game numbers mike you remember the season where he had like the 2020 game after like after nipsey hustle died and it's sort of just like i'm doing this for nip like yeah. I'm gonna go yeah, get I'll, my 2020, and it's just sort of just like, yeah, a lot of guys would want to do something like that. Oh, like guess what? I want to score this many points, or I want to get this many assists. A lot of guys aren't capable of actually accomplishing that, no matter how hard they put their mind to it. And Russ seems like he's one of those guys who can approach that, if not actually accomplish it. Yeah. So I I've been making part of the case against that for years. So I, I it's now it's interesting now that Westbrook is a Laker because it, it has shifted. It has, it's not, it hasn't shifted the way that I've looked at him, but as I've, as I've dove in a little bit deeper, my opinion is slightly evolved, but I want to start with the assist thing though. So sometimes assist to turnover ratio is a better way of gauging what kind of passing it is. It, it, and so less so the assist totals. And I would argue the same thing for like the triple double statistic, um, which I'll do in a second. But so last year, right, he ranked 62nd. And that doesn't sound great, but it's actually not bad. It, it's around the same range as like Damian Lillard, right? Was 52nd, Ben Simmons, 58th, Kyrie Irving, 59th, uh, Kawhi, 64th, Jokic up a little bit higher at 50. So the guys at the top of the, of the league there are, you know, Chris Paul, Ricky Rubio, Tyus Jones, Monty Morris, like the, the guys that are, that are more of the pure, like, they're out there not trying to break down the defense as much. Pete, uh, jump in there. Yeah, I can see you. They're, yeah. they're, more, they're more conservative style point guards, right? Yes. In terms of they don't take a lot of risks. They're not very high speed point guards. They're just different stylistically than Russ. Yes. And so th- and that's kind of what the point is. So, yes, the assists are going to total. That is, though, part of where the reason the assist numbers are so gaudy is because he's the guy that has that much usage that also – has the green light that also has the crazy level of athleticism. To, and so that's what makes Russ unique. It's the it's the combination of the motor, um, of the athleticism, and then of the skill that he probably doesn't get enough credit for because he's so athletic. 
But the main argument over the years to me about like the triple doubles and the numbers and stat stuffing and all that, which I think is partially unfair because Russ has always played that way. Like he's, he's played with the same level of motor and it's not that he's just trying to get the triple doubles. It's the, okay, is that as useful when all comes down to it in the, in the, in crunch time, in the postseason? And the answer is not as much because then the game's kind of half court, half court. And that's where LeBron, like LeBron could average a triple double if he wanted to. He's one of the guys that actually could, but LeBron saves a certain level of that extra gear for the postseason um, elements. And, and he also has the execution stuff. And that's to me, the separation between the top five type guy in Westbrook, where he's an all-star, but like even in the MVP year where that was going to get, he got OKC to the playoffs. Sure. But then they lost in the first round because because that style of play has a limit to it. And and I know that's a lot, but it's all mixed together um, in his game. And I think you can even think about it out of the gauge of passing, which is what we're focused on right now. So that style of play does have a limit if that's the best thing that your team can do, right? Where Westbrook was so essential to the the offensive outcomes of every team that he's played on that his, his weaknesses are... Are like you can't go to something else enough to be able to make up for where playoff basketball is different and can can highlight some of his weaknesses. The thing that I felt like I've learned about him from watching tape, and this does apply to the playoffs as well. I went back and watched several seasons worth worth of playoffs of him, is that he really knows what he's doing in terms of how to create a shot for someone else. A lot of the weaknesses in his game that have prevented him from thriving in the playoffs to you know and again we're talking you know we're talking accomplishing a you know a conference championship on their own he he won one with with Durant they got to the finals we're these are fairly high standards is the, the point that I'm making here is being able to do this but that I I gained an appreciation for his understanding on how to create open shots for other teammates. When he makes mistakes, it's more he tries to do too much himself. So it's like you don't need to shoot that pull-up jumper with 18 seconds left on the shot clock from 20 feet. You don't need to try to do everything. And let's take a quick break. When we come, when we come back, I want to talk to you guys about the LeBron and Westbrook dynamic because of that idea of Westbrook his weaknesses as a playmaker can be revolved around him doing too much. How does that work on a LeBron James team? Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and discuss it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
so Darius, there's going to be some adjustments in roles. We've thought so much about the role uh, about Westbrook's adjustment coming to a LeBron and Anthony Davis team, a team that's won a championship, at least the foundation of it has won a championship. Roles are set in that respect. We've we've talked about the whole third option idea, but he's going to have the ball a ton. I would argue, though, that LeBron's adjustments to Westbrook and how they learn how to playmake off of each other and complement each other, that LeBron's adjustment within that will be as telling as anything on whether or not that works. Yeah, and I wrote about that at Silver Screen and Roll about how sacrifices are not just going to be a role player idea. They're going to be a star player idea as well. And that looking only at Russ as the player who has to sacrifice the most or give up the most or adjust or change the most, that would be folly. Like that's just not going to happen. Players, LeBron and AD especially, they're going to need to tap into that um do everything like I can do everything idea and and shift more towards areas that will help complement Russ in ways in order to allow Russ to play more of his game more often, even if it's dialed down in a way. And I don't mean dialed down in terms of intensity. I mean, dialed down more in terms of maybe frequency and how often he does any one given thing on the court. LeBron probably is the best example of this because I do think Braun's going to have to do less offensive initiation at the beginning of possessions. I think he's probably going to need to do more big man things in the early or middle part of a possession in order to then become more of a finisher and playmaker later in the clock, but without having the benefit of feeling out that possession the entire time with the ball in his hands, which is, which is honestly, guys, it's hard. It's, it's hard to do that for any player. And while I have confidence that LeBron it can do it, adjusting to that is going to be difficult. There is a certain amount of feel for the game that every player is reliant upon in order to be the best version of themselves. Right. And it's what I talked about in a totally different pod about the idea of shooting. And when you don't touch the ball for a long time, are you actually going to shoot it, shoot it as well? But the same is true for a typically medium high to high usage player like LeBron James. Like, okay, you want me to do all of this playmaking or finishing, but I'm not going to have the ball as much. How am I going to adjust to that but it's something that i think is going to have to be on the table for him as awkward as that sounds mike because that's lebron james you're saying is going to have to sort of like give the ball up to someone else it's 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 like that idea of of like chefs and sous chefs earlier right where it's like look i'm the best chef in the building why are you going to ask this other dude to cook and it's the first time in his Lakers tenure, right, that there was some level of question there. You know, that it wasn't going to happen the same degree with with Lonzo at that stage of his career or with Schroeder last year, certainly. And obviously for a star level player, AD, that was never going to be part of the discussion. The peak, though, Darius, that I just thought of, like England in the World Cup uh, semifinal, they bring in Marcus Rashford and Jaden Sancho, um, Manchester United players. So I'm 
I'm uh, very biased towards them, but they bring them in in the 119th minute to take penalties that start after the 120th minute. So they don't even get to touch the ball. They don't get to touch the ball on their foot, and they got to go take the, the highest pressure kick um, in the history of their nation, basically. Like so, that's the insurance on a on a that's the macro or like the the absolute peak of that type of level. But I'm thinking if I ask LeBron this question right now, and LeBron's sitting around, you know that he's thought about this. How often he's going to have the but you know that he and Russ have talked about it, and that I think is what I'm like. I'm excited for training camp to start to have some of those conversations with them, and really more just to watch it because they'll they'll do it the first game, and then they'll sit in the film room and be like, yeah, that was pretty good, or no. Like this is and the person who's going to have the final say is LeBron as well. He should like LeBron. Hey, hey, LeBron, how'd that feel to you? You know what, man? Like, let's run it a little bit more like this. You know, and Vogel will facilitate this. And Russ, to me, seems like if LeBron wants it to be a little different, this is LeBron's team. So I think Russ is going to acclimate to that. And, and therefore, I'm excited to talk about it and think about it. But I'm not worried about it, I guess, Pete, is the way that I would describe it and not to, not to like undercut analysis that we're doing right now of it. But I think that it's the same kind of thing with Brooklyn last year and what, how many basketballs for Harden and Kyrie and Durant. And, you know, I, I think that part's going to be fine. It's just about maximizing it. And, and that's what they'll, the season's for. Well, when Rob Palenka addressed, uh, you know, addressed the acquisition in Russ's press conference, First thing he said is we were looking for playmaking and shooting. And that was something that corroborated reports prior to that the Lakers' number one priority for this offseason was to address their playmaking. And they certainly did that with Russell Westbrook. And that comes down to the very simple idea that if LeBron wasn't dribble penetrating, if LeBron wasn't getting to the basket, we had a difficult time scoring last season. I, we talked a ton about the half-court offense and the difficulties that we had. We're not a, a team, and Westbrook furthers this idea, it's going to run a lot of sets, that's going to run a lot of motion offense and you know complicated actions. We've got a couple shooters that will add some diversity to the, the playbook, but having another player who can consistently get to the basket with power is something that, it seems as though that's the plan from from jump, right? Pete, the only the only pushback that I would have on that way of thinking is it gets back to this whole when healthy Anthony Davis. I, we weren't hearing a lot about the half court offense when they were twenty one and six, and it, like early in the season when they like it just that became a thing once AD was out and there wasn't that second star to either run offense through or and Davis wasn't peak Davis either. And I'm not I'm not saying that they that it was ideal, but there was certainly there was certainly enough there. And that those conversations to me were ignore a little bit of the team that won the title um, without this overwhelming level of playmaking. Just to jump in on that point, and I won't deign to speak for Pete here. The Lakers were overwhelming teams with talent. And there is a certain amount of force that they had the ability to play with when they were, quote unquote, fully healthy. Right. Even though A.D. wasn't playing nearly as well as like playoff A.D. or even regular season A.D. from from the season before. But 
when you had Dennis going and LeBron being LeBron and LeBron was playing at an unbelievable level and then AD and then now it's just like, oh, here's Trez and Kuz is shooting all right. And remember, at the very beginning of the season, it was like, oh, KCP, bubble KCP is just like, oh, he's he's right here. He's hitting shots. I, I think he was shooting like 48 or 49% from three in those first 20 games. It's just like... There weren't questions yeah, about the Caruso half was offense. shooting like 60% from three the first day. Yeah, yeah I'm just saying that they weren't talking about no one was talking about the half court offense because the half court offense really wasn't broken based off of the level of play that everyone was playing at. But the idea that some of that was going to be sustainable over the course of the year, like I don't think I necessarily thought that this is going to be just like this the entire season. But Pete, I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, I'd have to go back and and listen to when, you know, when when we said this. But I remember being concerned about the half court offense before AD went down. Now, part of that was because AD was mainly picking and popping and taking jump shots and not putting pressure on the rim himself. And that kind of breaks things down in a way where it's not necessarily a lack of talent on the team or something wrong with the roster. It's just one of your main dudes that you rely upon to do that is not doing that to the same extent. Right. But Russ, the thing is that Russ provides that in it in, from a different place that LeBron does. And so this concept of pressure on the rim, THT plays into this as well. Russ is so fun to watch in that he you can yes. stop Russ, but you have to game plan for Russ. You're not going to be able to do it with one guy, even if it's just the we're going to put a bigger player on him and sag off of him. All of your help guys, you got to shut the gate on all of Westbrook's attempts because when he's coming to the basket, he's doing it with bad intentions. Whether it's going to work out or not, that's not the point. It's that second guy is going to come over. And so doing that from one place is difficult. Doing that from two is very, t- very tough. If you've got a big man, rim runner, player that is able to put pressure on the rim in a different way in that same type of respect i'm really excited about what the possibilities there just to put a bow in this because i know i know pete and i've gone back and forth on this for, for like years now the playmaking wasn't great outside of lebron but now right so now what russ comes in there no sure. argument that part of it gets better now there are different and other concerns that's all so i was always yes was pete Pete was absolutely correct that that was like one of the things that was that was top of mind if, if the Lakers were going to be a perfect basketball oh, team. For sure. And my for sure. point was like it's it's enough for them to win, you know, and, and that's that's where we're at. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's all. So I, I, it's not like we both things are true kind of thing right now. Yeah. Th- so now the playmaking stuff, I think they're going to be in really good shape. Now, do they have enough defense? You know, do they have enough? Like, there's other concerns when you morph a player like this. But playmaking, yes, like that's that beast. uh, That that riddle has been solved, I think. So, with respect to LeBron specifically, I think this regular season is very important for us to develop the these plays work against this type of coverage. We're going to do this when like we really need to pay attention to and and develop. Like one of the things that bothered me about last year, and I totally understand the multiple reasons why, many of which were not in our hands. I couldn't have told you what our go-to plays were. Most teams, most good teams, have a couple of. Now, mind you, a lot of these look like isolations, uh, but even even ball screens 
our go-to ball screen action pick and pops with KCP. We were so out of sync. We didn't have anything that we would go to consistently. I think that developing that this year with LeBron and Russ on the on the floor together at the same time, whether they're involved in the action together or not, I think is going to be a crucial part about our playoff sustainability because we could talk about, you know, LeBron sharing those responsibilities and and having more playmaking and that load not being as heavy become playoff time of course we're going to want lebron to be the guy with the ball in his hands and then that becomes you know what does russ do off of that so i'm I'm curious do you how do you view this regular season with respect to that and what are some of the ways you think they can make that work i do think the regular season is going to be important in the way of gaining chemistry for players who are not necessarily perfect fits together. There are ways to make it fit. And I think the regular season is, season is going to be important for sorting those ways out. Um, one of the things I really think is going to be important and something that I think can work is finding chemistry between Russ and LeBron in pick and rolls where both of them from both sides of that. So I think LeBron being more of a screener in with Russ as a ball ball handler, I think they're going to need to work through all of the different scenarios in which that's going to be important, right? Are we screening to get a switch? Are we screening for LeBron to roll? Are we screening for LeBron to half roll and then get into a post-up? Are we screening, for, right? Are we screening for all of these different things? Are we screening for pick and pops? Are we screening to get Russ downhill? Like, and all of those different scenarios, those are all different. And all of them can produce fruitful outcomes. But the chemistry on how to run those and from what spots of the floor to do it are going to be important for the Lakers to figure out. I don't think stuff like that is going to take a bunch of time, but I do think it's important that they get their they get their rhythm and togetherness with that. And I think the same is true for the opposite. When Russ has not been a high volume or even medium volume screener for other people for a long time, man. It's probably been eight, nine years since he's been asked to do as much sort of off ball work or screen work that he's likely going to be asked to do this season with the Lakers. And so getting him up to speed on screen angles and what's he doing, the idea of I'm going to screen and ghost that screen and Russ isn't ghosting a screen for the same ways that like Wes or KCP would ghost a screen in order to come out and shoot the jump shot. He's probably ghosting in the same way that THT was ghosting screens last year for LeBron and in similar spots on the floor, right? In order to get into a gap where LeBron can then hit him so he could then get downhill. There's a lot of stuff like that that I think needs to be worked out. It's going to be very difficult to trap LeBron this year for exactly that reason. We would use THT as a screen setter when teams would trap on LeBron. And then that would put a ball handler who's great at driving to the basket who and strong going downhill in a four on three scenario. Mike, you put Russell Westbrook in that situation, at least in a, and that's going to be something that will last throughout the playoffs even is going to be very difficult to put two on LeBron throughout the season. And I generally wouldn't recommend putting two on LeBron. It's not a sure. good idea. <laughs> he almost always tears that apart. And I get it when he's, if he's, if you're not, and he's in one of his moods where he's going to the hoop and, and you know, just completely destroying you with the rim, I get it. But yeah, that his, the numbers suggest over the years that it's 
better to just take your chances and try to play off him and hope that he shoots or, you know, hope that he's not because the second that you trap him, he's just picking out wherever the perfect pass is. I think that for all the talk about LeBron, the player that I'm still most curious about and most kind of eager to see the impact of is Anthony Davis. And what does Russ do for AD? Less so than what AD does for Russ. Uh, And I just, I think AD represents the most variance as to where this team can be for next year. I, even though like we've seen AD now up close and personal LeBron, I have zero questions about, but AD had a different year last year than he had two years ago. And he gets the benefit of the doubt for me because of that weird bubble tax thing he hadn't gone through, but now it's his time to step up. You know, there were some people that were picking him for MVP last year because he was probably the second best player in the bubble after LeBron. He, that's how great he was there. And if that AD comes back, all of the stuff that we're going to be talking about becomes more just kind of fun and less important because that's how dominant this guy can be. And yeah. Russ, Amen. I think, is a right. Russ is aware of this, and Russ wants to help AD. I think. I, th- I think he wants to get him going. He wants to fire him up, and that's what I'm keen to see. Mike, you caught what Russ said during his press conference about what he viewed his job as. He said, my job is to uplift my teammates. That was really striking language, the idea of uplifting teammates. And there's nobody that I think of first more than Anthony Davis in that respect. I really think that Russ can be igniter fuel for him. Well, and Darius, Russ also hasn't had a big like AD. Now, there aren't many players that have. But usually it's hard to have a star at the level of Russ and then also have the big star. Like he's had, you know, Serge Ibaka, very different player. Um, Like don't even talk about the offensive end. Those guys are complete opposites. Like AD can do so much more. Defensively, there are a couple similarities in that they can both protect the rim. But Serge isn't as versatile. And, I mean, there wasn't anybody in Washington. There wasn't anybody other than like he had Clint Capella as a roller up until the point where they traded him. And even that, he is a completely different, he's a one-dimensional, like, you know, Dwight Howard type big who wants to roll to learn. So I think that there's a lot that Russ must be salivating about thinking about all the ways that he can play with AD, right, Darius? Look, I wrote about this recently as well. The idea that Anthony Davis isn't sort of at the top of the list of things that we're discussing about why the Lakers can be great this season is sort of baffling to me. AD is sort of, faded into the background of this offseason in a way that is just interesting. Like, I think there's a lot of reasons why you could say that it's happened this way. Like, last season was a disappointing year for him, and he did end the season injured and not playing, basically. Um, Russ and LeBron are also just very high-profile culture-setting type of players and when you have both of them now they see they tend to take up a lot of the oxygen in the room when when it comes to how you're going to analyze and what's your perception of a team in which they're members of but Anthony Davis was the perfect teammate for this version of LeBron James right he was the dude who could fill in every single gap who could do anything on the basketball court at a reasonable level and some things at an otherworldly level and those things just happened to be ways that complemented lebron perfectly we started this conversation is about russ's playmaking and so while no one would say like oh 
who who do you think is the next sort of version of LeBron as a, as a playmaker? I think most people would point to Luca in that regard, but the way that Russ, the parts of the floor in which Russ can attack from, and how he gets to spots on the floor that compromise the defense, either from the post or getting downhill on 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 drives or being a pick and roll player or in transition. Those are all sort of ways that LeBron impacts the game too. And why is it so weird to think that Anthony Davis couldn't be the perfect teammate for Russell Westbrook in the same exact way that he's been the perfect teammate for LeBron James. And that idea of AD being the bridge that brings this roster together is something that I don't think is being discussed enough. And I think if there's going to be a beneficiary of Russ's playmaking the most, it's probably going to be Anthony Davis. And then in consequence to that, the Lakers shooters, I think are going to benefit a ton because of synergy that I think is going to be a more natural synergy between Russ and AD than the synergy that we're hoping for between Russ and LeBron. Like, I think that partnership is going to go off swimmingly. And I could see those two anchoring bench units while LeBron sort of gets to be like, okay, okay. I did all this off ball work while I've been in the starting lineup or in these 10 to 15 minutes a game that I play with Russ. But in my other 20 minutes, I get to be LeBron James and basically do whatever the hell I want and play with Dwight Howard and play some with Anthony Davis and I'll make that work too. But Russ with AD Pete, that to me is just like, Oh, okay. If there's an accelerant that you want to have to amplify Anthony Davis's game, Russ seems like a pretty good dude to have, not only from a game standpoint, but from a personality standpoint. Absolutely. Simply from the on-court perspective russ is a battering ram he is the guy who you know knocks the the castle walls down or the the castle gate down and then that's why an anthony davis is so complimentary if he rolls hard to the basket if he runs hard in transition he's going to have his most efficient season this this year i really believe that because Russ is going to attack over and over and over and over again. And what happens when that battering ram does that is you might be able to stop that initial attack, but everything behind it is scrambled and perfect situations for guys with tremendous athletic gifts to be able to clean up after, after that. And so Russ is going to get, I think, again, if AD is rolling hard to the basket, Russ is going to get a ton of Kobe assists this year where he'll drive hard to the basket and that big will come over to challenge and he'll miss the layup. But AD is going to get the easiest putback dunk or layup that you could possibly imagine. So Mike has some uh, future talent joining us to to break down AD. What are what are Riggs' <laughs> thoughts on, uh, on the Anthony Davis-Westbrook combination? <laughs> yeah, what are you saying right there? Is the is basically money like that's how he you just made like the little symbol it, like AD to Russ should really work um, Riggs right because you can pick and pop and pick and roll and what I've learned in my years doing radio and podcasts the best thing right is when the visual does everything and it's a podcast and you can't have the visual so um, I hope everybody enjoys that but thanks for saying hi Riggs we appreciate it well so guys sometimes what happens while we're doing the pod I can just I'll have it muted. 
and I'll hear like a, I'll hear his voice and then he'll, but he'll now he's just pound on the door. So he's been pounding on the door for the last five minutes. He misses you guys. He saw you last time. He wanted to say what's up. So now, <laughs> now Riggs, we're going to go back to mute. Okay. Well, we hope he is a, a regular guest. Thank you, Riggs. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to everybody for joining us uh, for our first pod of Westbrook week. We'll be back tomorrow to discuss more of his yeah. game. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's in. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Listen. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good. Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers. James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.